Today I want to talk about sex and God created sex. It's a gift that God gave us. There was a, a girl, she was talking to her grandma. She said, Grandma, uh, how old are you? Was, she said, sweetie, now it's not polite to ask an older lady how old she is. She's like, okay. And she came back in and a few minutes later, she said, Grandma, how much do you weigh? She's like, sweetie, these are not questions you're supposed to ask a lady. And he's like, okay, fine. She comes back in a few minutes later, she says, Grandma, I know you're 63 and you weigh 145 pounds. Like, how do you know that? She says, because I saw your driver's license. And by the way, you also, you, you failed sex. <laughs> Today's message is to help keep you from failing sex. If there's ever a class you want to pass, this is the one. I'm excited about today's message to talk about this. And I am a sexpert. <laughs> Why are you laughing? My wife laughed too. Anyways. <laughs> Actually, I did something I've never done. This is really cool. This week, my wife told me, she said, you should call your friend Jeff's mom. Jeff is a friend of mine. He's a pastor friend of mine in Orlando. And his mom, they took over the church from their parents. And his mom and dad are retired, still very involved in the church. But his mother is a pastor's wife slash sex therapist. So I was like, okay, you know, you want me to call her, honey? I'll call her. But I was like, why do you want me to call her? For the church or because you think I need to talk to a sex therapist? Either way, so I called her up. And she's such a sweet lady. And I said, Janice, is her name is Janice. What would you like me to call her? She's, you can just call me Grand Jan. That's what everyone calls me. I was like, okay, Grand Jan. And so I'm talking to this lady who's a grandmother. And within seconds, I was like, let's talk about sex. She starts dropping words. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. The terms she was dropping, I was like, stop. You're going to make people that run Pornhub blush. <laughs> I could not believe the terms she was dropping. I was like, okay, clearly... You are a sex expert. Clearly, you're a sex therapist. You don't like none of these terms bothered her at all. She was dropping left and right. So I have to clean up what she told me to share with you. But actually, she gave me some great advice. I want to pass that along to you today. Really, really great stuff. First thing I want to show you is Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. This is what it says. Let's just lay a foundation today. It says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That means get in it on. Okay. And the man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed. I love that. So they were naked. And, and see, when you're married, you're supposed to be naked and not ashamed. Now, when you're married in my age, you may be naked and a little ashamed. <laughs> Anyways, the point is, is that God wants us to go in without shame. And so the first thing I want to tell you is this, is that a lot of times she told me a lot of people have marital problems when it comes to sex because they don't just enter the bedroom naked. They enter the bedroom with shame. They come in with that. I thought, wow, that's really powerful. And so would you write this down? For real intimacy to happen, it begins with into me see. That's what intimacy is. It's into me see. So we have to be vulnerable. And, and she, I said, well, why are there problems with, with married couples that love the Lord, love each other? They're, they're trying to honor God, but yet they still have sexual difficulties. And she said, it's real simple. There's a lot of shame because we all have a, a sexual history we bring with us. And that can create a lot of shame. And I said, just casually, I said, what made you become a doctor in sex therapy of all things as a pastor's wife? And she said, that's easy. I became a, a, a sex therapist so I could fix myself. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, um, before I married my husband, I had unfortunately had sex with my father, my brother, and my cousin. And she said, all by force. And that was a regular part of me growing up. And so you can imagine, I get married to this wonderful man, this godly man, and I go to give myself to him. She, and she literally described this way. He's lifting up my dress and I'm shaking. My, I mentally want to give myself to him, but my body will not do it. 
And she literally said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm really trying. I don't know what to do. And then he told me later, a different conversation one time, I was talking to her husband, and he said, can you imagine you married this beautiful woman and you, and you can't touch her? Wow. So she said, so I need to get the help that I couldn't find anywhere else. And she said, now I help couples all over the nation. They Zoom calls or I talk on the phone like this. And she gave me some great advice. I was taking notes like crazy, you know, for you, taking notes. <laughs> There was some brilliant things she had to say. For example, she said, we all have a sexual history that we bring with us, and we bring that into the bedroom. And if you have a traumatic past like she has, that's obviously going to have an effect on your sex life. She also said that maybe yours is as traumatic, but maybe you have a history of some decision you made, you made to, to chose to be with people that now you regret. Maybe you've done things that you regret, and you don't know how to bring that into the marriage now. So I want to stop and say, first of all, this message, if you had a traumatic experience like my friend Jan did, she would tell you this as she was here. A sermon's great, but you do need to talk to a counselor. This is a process to get through that. But God can bring healing. God's brought healing to her and her husband. They have a a wonderful marriage, a, a great family. I mean, it's a beautiful story of redemption. In the same way God was not through with Jan, God is not through with you. Isn't that good news? And so he can help you process that. He really can. He really can. But she said, you bring your history. And so one thing she said that you have to learn to do is you have to share your history with each other. Now, I said, can you explain that? She said, yes, and I have some very specific things I want to say about that. She said, if you've been through something traumatic, you need to share that. And, said, and then also, if you've made decisions in the past to be with other people, then that's also going to create a history that can then create shame. But God is a forgiving God, and he forgives us of all of our sins and gives us a new freshness. Then she said something that surprised me. She said, think about this, her second bill. She said, all the creation God made, they all mate but only one mate face-to-face, that's humans. Because every other animal was, ma- was built to mate, to procreate, to, to, to populate the world. But, but our, our mating goes deeper. We're not supposed to just procreate. We're supposed to connect and unite. Isn't that cool? It's like, wow, look, how, God knew what he was doing so that we could do that. And, and then she even said this. She said, you know, a lot of people are all into doing all these crazy things. You've noticed that almost all the crazy new positions, that's the word she said, not me. She says all the new crazy positions are teaching almost are never face-to-face because we're trying to make up for the, lack, for the shame that we bring in. She said, but, but, but whether you do it this or that way is not the point. The point is our spirits and our hearts should be face-to-face. Isn't that cool? united with one another, with all of our blemishes and all of our pain and all of our past. And that beautiful thing about marriage is that you can love someone with all that. And God forgives you and gives you a fresh start. And, and we forgive each other and give each other a fresh start. It's a beautiful thing that we can do for one another. But she said another thing too, very specifically, she said, if you have a sexual past with another partner, you know, maybe not traumatic like a rape or molestation thing, but, but you had a sexual past, maybe you, you slept with an old boyfriend or girlfriend or maybe multiple ones in the past. She said, that's great, and you should be transparent about that, but not detailed. She was very specific. She said, do not share details. If you say, well, me and my ex-boyfriend or girlfriend used to do this one thing, she said, you're never doing that again. It's good advice. It's like, oh, that's brilliant. She said, because every time you're going to want to do that, they're going to think, oh, you're thinking of them. So she said, so be transparent, but not detailed. I thought that was really great advice. 
So I just want to encourage you. A lot of the stuff I'm going to unpack today is from her. She, she has incredible knowledge. In fact, it was so knowledgeable. I was almost mad at myself. I needed to call, like, why didn't I just bring her in? We'll have to do that one day. Incredible teaching. But it was beautiful to listen to her how she said restoration can happen. She said, I've seen it so many times. And people are frustrated. They love each other, but they're just frustrated. But God can bring renewal to them. In fact, let me give you one, one little exercise you can do. Uh, that I think is really powerful. This is something that I, I read from a book by Doug Weiss. He said, this is something you can do to create intimacy again. Not in bed, not sexually, but just once a day for two solid minutes. Try this for a week. Just look at your spouse in the eyes silently. Just sit there silently in front of each other, just looking at each other. You may laugh, you may giggle, you may be serious, you may even cry, but just don't look away and just stare into each other. And just watch what happens in just about a week's time, how you will just literally feel closer to them just doing this. Isn't it funny how we have a hard time looking at people in the eye? Well, there's one person you should be able to look in the eye. It's your spouse. And so God wants that for you and for me. So I just want to encourage you also that we have to create a safe space for each other. If someone has something deep to share that they've been wounded, that has to be a safe space. And we have to have patience with each other in this regard. Let me just say to the singles, Right now, I'm talking to a lot of married couples. I know, but there's a lot of singles that go to our church as well. I want to encourage you not to do things that create a sexual history. Like if you have a sexual history, quit adding to it. Instead, why don't you say, okay, God, you're a forgiving God. So from this day forward, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to withhold my body from other people until I'm married. And, and one day when you do meet your spouse and get married, you'll be able to say to them, you know, yeah, I may have blown it, but there was a moment where God spoke to me. And from that moment on, I waited for you. That's a beautiful thing. You can still give that gift of an innocence from this day forward. And I, I encourage you to do that. I was talking to a friend of mine in college one time and he started dating this girl. And I said, hey, you guys aren't messing around, right? We're really close friends. And he was like, no way, man. He goes, I got enough to apologize to my future wife for. It's a great way to think of it, isn't it? So he's like, I'm going to honor God. He ended up marrying that girl. Now they have kids, probably have grandkids for all I know now. He's a great guy, great marriage, married the same girls his whole adult life. But he recognized there had to be a turning point, a moment where he said, okay, God, from here on out, Lord, I'm going to honor you because I want you to bless my future marriage. So singles, it's worth the wait, I promise you. Even if you say, well, I've blown it 100 times. Don't blow it 101. From this day forward, just begin to honor God and God will give you the grace to do that. So let's dive in now. I want to give you some, some, some great content. Again, I want to say if you've had a traumatic experience, please get some counseling if that's you. If you have a history, share that with each other at some point. Again, not details. That's not needed. That will hurt each other, but still be transparent. The second thing I want to share with you today is this. Sex is only as good as the relationship. When people tell me they need to add passion back to the bedroom, my response is add passion back to your relationship and you'll get passion in the bedroom. Scripture puts it this way in Hebrews chapter 13. It says this. Oh, wait, did I read the first verse? Did I? Did I read Genesis 2 to you guys already? Yeah. I did. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I do a lot of services in a row. Sorry. Hebrews 13, sorry. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Now, this is a powerful verse. It, it says here loud and clear that, that we should honor marriage, right? How do we honor marriage today? Well, we honor marriage by waiting sexually. We also honor marriage by not living together first. I encourage you to do that. By the way, all the stats tell us that the most unhappy sexually people uh, sexual people are people who are dating and, and, and actively having sex or living together. See, the reason why a lot of young people decide to live together for a while is they say, well, I don't want to be like my parents to get a divorce. So we'll try it out first. 
And if it goes well, or here's another one, if we're sexually compatible, which I think is hilarious, no one's sexually compatible. You have to work at being compatible with anything, anybody and anything. And so instead, if you'll wait, God will honor that. The happiest people, I think I mentioned last week, are the people who wait and get married and do it God's way. Surprise, surprise, it actually works. So how do we defile the marriage bed? Three ways we do it. Number one, the most obvious is through adultery. It's mentioned here in Scripture. But two other ways. The second way we defile uh, the marriage bed is through pornography. This is a sweeping problem, guys. This is the actual pandemic today. It's not COVID, it's porn. This is at, at, at pandemic levels now. And so we really do have to talk about this. I want to challenge you that, that if you are looking at porn, men and women now are looking at porn. It used to be kind of a man thing. A lot of women are now too. But if you're looking at porn, it is completely unrealistic. It's off the charts unrealistic. And so the more you look at that, the more unhappy you will be in your actual sexual relationship. That stats tell us this. Stats tell us this among lost people. They're not even Christians. And they're like, yeah, the more I look at sex, the more I can't even have sex with my girlfriend or boyfriend. Because it creates an unrealistic deal. I mean, it just if these movies are insane. I mean, you know, the guy comes up and barely touches a girl in the finger. And she's like, oh, yeah, baby. Oh, that's amazing. That's incredible. Like, I touched your pinky for a second. I'm not sure what happened. It's just stupid. It's off the chart. It's just not realistic. In fact, not only, that, not only would you be disappointed, um, you would actually be disappointed if you slept with that porn star. She would disappoint you. You know why? Because you'd be like, oh, well, she's not acting. So it's not as crazy and amazing as unbelievable. It's, it's, the whole thing is a scripted thing. It's, it, it's just not real. In fact, a lot of times it's painful. It's a mess. These, these people's lives are a disaster, by the way. It wrecks them. Not to mention, from what I understand, just from the research I've done, not that kind of research, but actual book research. There's a book I recommend on this called Your Brain on Porn. It is a gritty little book that shows you what's really going on. Most of these girls are high the whole time to even get through it. They're so miserable they have to be high. That's how much you're loving it. They have to be high to even do this. And so that's clearly pornography. But there's another kind of form, a form of porn that's very big in our world too. And it may not be the, the physical, you know, uh, pornography that we see with these, you know, women who are, you know, insanely overbreasted in these tiny waists, which is so normal. Everyone has that. I mean, it's just, it's completely designed and, and fake all, all around and it's acting, the whole thing's fake. But then there's another kind of porn that's popular today and it's emotional porn. I mean, these are these, these insane Hallmark movies. They're like, oh, they're so innocent. Actually, it creates a, a really unrealistic expectation. I mean, you've watched these shows. They're like, oh, look at him. He's 28 years old. And he also happens to be a billionaire and run a whole corporation. But he has time in the afternoon to go walk at the beach with me. Unbelievable. <laughs> None of that's real. Like if you're making that much money, you're probably 60 by now. And you've given your life to it and you're stressed out. I mean, it's just, it's so unrealistic on all levels. And so I just want to challenge you that, that both can be pornographic in nature because they're both actors. It's both, they're both lies. It's not, it's just not realistic. So women, here's what I want to challenge you with. Infatuation is thinking that he's as sexy as Chris Hemsworth, as smart as Elon Musk, as noble as Mr. Rogers, as funny as Will Ferrell, and as athletic as Rob Gronkowski. But real love is realizing he's as sexy as Will Ferrell, as smart as Rob Gronkowski, as funny as Mr. Rogers, and as athletic as Elon Musk. And nothing like Chris Hemsworth, but you'll take him anyways. <laughs> Guys, what we've fallen for is a caricature of this oversexed, amazing, good-looking, perfect-bodied person. 
That is just not real. They don't exist. I'm sorry. Pastor Bill's already taken. <laughs> anyway, so I want to challenge you that, that, that to make sex undefiled by lowering your expectations. Realize all that is just fake. It's all acting. It's movies. It's just not real. But you can have a real thing that's in a real world that's a blast and God honored and you can be satisfied too in the real world. And so get your head out of the screen and get your head into your own marriage and watch God make that thrive. So sex is only as good as the relationship is actually going. Now, this next one's huge. How many of you guys would love to have, and every married person could know, know what we're gonna say when I say this, know what I mean when I say this. How many of you guys would like to have vacation sex all the time. You know what I'm talking about. Vacation sex somehow is just better than regular sex. And it's, there's something about that. I mean, am I the only one? Maybe I am the only one. I'm going to head out right now. I'm going to go right now. You're like, that's why Pastor Bill wants to take off all the time. You got it. You got me figured out. Ladies, he doesn't really want to go to Europe. He just wants to take you to Europe and be in the bedroom with you in Europe. It's not about Europe. My wife's like, you want to go here? I'm like, no, but if you're going, I'm going. That's how that works. So so I just want to challenge you. If you want that, here's how you can get that. Number three, foreplay for a woman is different than foreplay for a man. And so let me try to illustrate this if I can, okay? So if it's three in the morning, I'm totally asleep, like snoring like a log, and my wife slaps me, wakes me up and says, let's do it. I'm like, let's go. Let me give you an aviation example. Men, ladies, are like a helicopter. They can live straight off from wherever they are. And they're ready to go. Isn't that true, right? All the women are like, yes, I know how he is, right? It's true. But women are not like that. Women need a runway. They're like a Learjet. They need a long runway. But if they have a long enough runway, then they can get off the ground. But here's the good news. If you'll give them that long runway, they can fly higher and further <laughs> than you can. The man's like, yeah, and I'm done. <laughs> Not her. <laughs> okay. It's really nice to think that my mother and father are coming to the next service. That's a great thought. Okay, so. So here's what I want to challenge you with is to give them a runway. So what does it look like? Warn them before you come in, guys. This is how it works, right? So my wife, I'll be like, I'll tell her in the morning, like, hey, babe, just thinking about you. Can't wait for the night. That's code word for, I just gave you a 12-hour warning that it's on. <laughs> That's what that means, right? <laughs> or if I'll text her, like I'm on a trip, I'll text her, I'm thinking about you. She's like, I know what you mean. I'm like, I hope you do know what I mean. <laughs> I'm about to start sending fruit emoji. I want to make sure you get this. Okay, so. <laughs> okay. Pray for your pastor. I'm barely saved. We all know this. Okay. But it's true that men and women approach it differently. It's like you're on vacation. There's no kids. Now, if you're on vacation with your kids, it ain't going to happen anyways. Just forget it. That's not going to happen. So. Now, if, you're, if you don't have your kids with you, you got all afternoon, you go out, you hang out, you'll get lunch together, you're talking the whole time. I mean, you have this runway, this length of emotional connection. And so, of course, that night's going to go way better than a regular time at home, right? Because you've got the runway. So you have to create a runway at home. How do you do that? Hey, babe, I got the kids tonight. I'm going to get them fed. I'm going to get them ready for bed. I'll make sure they get their homework done. I'll pack the lunches. You just go in your room and relax. Take it easy. And no, daddy's coming. That's right. My daughter's in the front row. I said it. Big daddy. Big daddy's coming. Big daddy. 
sorry. <laughs> Y'all didn't see it, but my, my daughter just threw up in her mouth a little bit and then swallowed it back. Okay, so. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm at now. I just, I mean, wow, this is so bad. Okay, so. But it's true. If you'll take the time build a runway. Now, ladies, we need your help. You can't just go jump on your phone and be like, oh, I'm ready now. Like, you actually have to, like, slow down, right? Clear your mind, because this is all, this, every married man has had this moment. You're embracing your wife. You're just incredible moment, and she goes, hey, do we pack the kids' lunches? You're like, really? Right now? Right now? So we had to clear your mind, right? So you have to have the runway. Clear your mind, clear your thoughts, take away the stresses, and if you clear that runway, then you can have a great time. See, one of the reasons why we get frustrated about our sex lives is not because it can't be great. We just don't do the things that make it great. So we have to clear the runway. That's a huge thing. And, and I would inc- include that language. You can start using I know guys that I've talked about this before. They actually say this was, hey, babe, trying to clear the runway here. And they're like, okay, keep clearing it. <laughs> right? And so there's nothing wrong with that. So foreplay for a woman is different than for a man. The next thing I want to tell you, this is a huge one. Never ask your spouse to do something they aren't comfortable doing. This is a huge one. And so, by the way, on the foreplay one, it says in Scripture, husbands live with your wives in an understanding. We understand where they're coming from. That verse applies here too. But Ephesians 5 tells us, submit to one another. In other words, yield to one another, which means that you don't ask someone to do something they don't want to do. This is huge. I know that you guys really want to try the new Bulgarian seesaw, but she doesn't want to do that. Don't Google that. I don't think that's a thing, but it may be. I don't, I don't know. The point is this. The point is, is that honestly, when I have men and women come up to me in the atrium and she's discouraged and frustrated and he's, he's upset and she'll be like, he's really wanting me to do stuff I'm not comfortable doing, then I'll be like, okay. And I'll pull him aside and I'll go, hey, bro, come here. Let's talk. Just, just two of us. And I'll say, look, dude, where'd you get that from? They don't want to tell me because I already know where they got it from. You got it from porn. The only place you're getting ideas like that is pornographic places. And so you got to clear your mind of all those things. Can I let you know something? The couples that are like, we're doing this and doing that, and we got this thing in the bedroom and that thing, and we're doing all this craziness. Those people actually sound super sexual, but the truth is they're actually the least sexually satisfied. All the stats tell us this. Sex therapists tell us that vanilla sex is the most satisfying. With vanilla, I mean the simple things. But when you're having to go to all those extremes, it means that you are missing something in the simple. So I want to challenge you, believe it or not, what sex therapists say to do are not add all those things in the bedroom. Those things don't actually satisfy. So what does? What if you're not satisfied? This is what I asked the sex counselor. I said, Jan, I said, Grand Jan, tell me, what about the lady who is not able to, you know, or what about the guy who is frustrated? What, no, they're, they're just, the passion's not there. They're not, they're not actually clicking. What would you tell them? She said, I tell them the same thing I tell everyone. And this is great advice. So I'm going to give you something really practical that you can do this week. And even if you're doing great, I still think this is great to do. Here's what she said. You need to do something called sensate. Sensate is short for sensation. She said, so each take turns doing this. And so this is what they said. Stand in front of the other person. Take a moment to touch all over each other, everywhere but the sexual places. The goal is to make the other person feel good without it being sexual. Take turns doing this for a week before leading to a time of lovemaking. That means Monday through Friday. Take about 20 minutes each where the the man's like, I'm going to touch you all over, everywhere but the sexual places. And in doing that, I just want you to tell me, does this feel good? Does that feel good? So maybe you rub her feet, rub her back, her shoulders, her hands, maybe rub through her hair. Maybe you you touch her ears, right? 
women, you do the same for him. Maybe you, you touch his cheeks, not these cheeks, these cheeks. <laughs> touch his face, maybe kiss him, kiss his ears, touch his ears, like, like massage him. All, every, nothing is not allowed, the whole body, except the sex places, right? The sexual parts of your body. And she said, do this for a week, Monday through Friday. And then on Friday, do the same exact thing, but now you can let it lead to lovemaking. I said, does that normally work? She said, normally I get a call by Wednesday. And they're like, we couldn't make it. We blew it and just did it. It was awesome. <laughs> what does that tell you? It tells you we're not slowing down and we're also not learning each other. So what works and what doesn't work. When we were much younger, my wife would be like, rub my feet. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I just want to do it. <laughs> Didn't dawn on me that, oh, that's in her mind, that's her feeling good. So if I'll take the time, right, to really learn her and she learns me, then you both end up being able to satisfy one another, and that's a good thing. So Scripture puts it this way, Deuteronomy 24, verse 5, When a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year, and he shall cheer, her, uh, cheer up his wife, which he hath taken. The word cheer up in the original language means to sexually satisfy. So this week, I'm going to be like, hey, babe, you want me to cheer you up? <laughs> and I find if I could cheer her up, she certainly cheers me up. <laughs> the point is this. It's not that we're going to be able to go ask our boss for a year off. I don't think it's going to happen. If you're a staff member here at Church of Limits, don't ask me. You're not getting a year off. <laughs> the principle, though, means this. It means take the time to learn one another. What most of us did was we just jumped in the sack, and we're like, well, they endured it. Wasn't that great, but I loved it. And then you didn't really learn each other. Slow down and learn one another. This is a game changer if you'll do this. And then the last thing I want to say, is this helping anybody today? I hope, I hope we're actually connecting some stuff here. Okay. Last thing is this. It says in 1 Corinthians 7, Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. So I'll be like, hey, baby, you want to do it? She's like, oh, I'm really tired. I'm like, oh, so you want to go pray? She's like, yeah, I'm going to be praying. I was like, yeah, I bet you are. So Okay, so... <laughs> Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I love the fact that Paul said the word concession because what the scripture is telling us, and right before it talks about our bodies, are they really ours, are they theirs, that whole thing, but guess what? Here's the problem with all that. We use that verse to command one another. The Bible says not to do that. He says, this is a concession, don't command. Now, of all the words the apostle Paul could use, I mean, Think about the, the Bible is only so big, and they used some of the real estate in the Bible, which is very precious real estate, one sentence just to say this is a concession. Why? Why would they do that? I believe it's because God knew that some men would try to command sex, and some women would try to use sex to get what they want. I'll withhold it until you do this, this, or that, or I demand this of you. Guys, both are wrong in Scripture. God does not intend for us to use sex to lord it over one another. Actually, sex is not even supposed to be about our own bodies. Real pleasure should not be me trying to pleasure myself with my wife's body or her vice versa. It should be me being happy knowing I'm, I'm pleasuring her, making her satisfied, making her happy. Does that make sense? I mean, my wife likes to use my body too, but she mainly uses my body to go get her Starbucks. You know what I'm saying? That's what she uses my body. But here's the truth. The truth is, is we have to get past ourselves. What does this mean? Number five, God recommends sex to be frequent and reciprocal. Reciprocal means you're thinking about the other person, not yourself, right? About what they want, what they desire. Think about them. 
but also frequent. Frequent's a big deal. Or as my wife likes to say about me, when you don't get booty, you get moody. (laughs) Here's the truth. The truth is, is that we do need to be frequent. Now, what is frequent? So I did some research, like what's like a normal, happily married couple's frequency? And this is what all the, the studies that I looked at said was normal, was about two and a half times a week. Now, the first thing I thought was, what's the half? I want to know what the half is. <laughs> Anyways, okay. The only reason I mentioned that time period, about two and a half, you know, two, two, two and a half, two to three basically times a week, is because I wanted to give you sort of a standard uh, to go off of, so then you can talk about it. I'm not saying this has to be the amount of times you do it, but what I am saying is if you've never talked about this, you may have one spouse really resentful towards the other because they're either doing it more than they think they should or doing it way less than they think they should. So you do need to have some kind of a consensus and agreement that works for you as a couple. And so when this changes over time and you've got health issues and sicknesses and all these kind of kids, and I mean, all that factors in. But one thing I'm really blessed with my wife is that, you know, if I'm like, hey, babe, you know, I, I want to do it. Even if she's really tired, many times she'll be like, okay. You know, she knows it's a need I have. But also sometimes she'll say, I'm really exhausted and I, she's great at this. I'm like, can you give me a date? Can you set an appointment? And she'd be like, how about tomorrow morning? Or how about tomorrow night? And so I know I'm normally never more than 24 hours away from some satisfaction. So that really does help. And again, the, again, like Paul said, I want to use this word to you. I'm not commanding anything, guys, but I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to suggest something. And so I believe this can really help you be a lot happier in your marriage and in the sex part of your life. And so, and by the way, I also understand that y'all talking about vacation sex, that's so great and all that. That's not all the time. That's not realistic for anyone. And so even old Jan said to me, sometimes you just have to have a quickie. I was like, this is really weird for you to say quickie. But okay, you're right. I mean, it's true. But isn't it great? I mean, she's really, she's saying like, that's actually a sign of love. Like when you do that, you're also saying some, one of the partners is saying, I know you need this. And so the way I'm going to love you is, is by fulfilling your need right now. But this isn't the moment for us to have an extended period of time. But, but I also understand that there's a need that drives you. And so I think that's a healthy thing to look at as well. And I'm not saying, I know I'm being a little stereotypical here. But I've seen it where men are dying a thousand deaths and feel like they're on a sexual diet. I've also seen it where women feel that way too. And so just talk about it between the two of you. All of these things, I hope, are suggestions that can help you. But at the end of the day, it comes down to this. When you're doing it right, it unites you. It doesn't divide you. So maybe that's a good talking point to go home on. Say, how do we make sure that our lovemaking unites us, our, our time together, that we make it such a quality moment that we just, we, we miss being one with another again. It's a wonderful thing and God can bless you. And by the way, there's no limit on the age of this. I was looking that up and there was people that are still having active sex lives way into their 80s. I told my wife that she got a little depressed when she heard that. I was like, why are you so sad? Let's... I'm just kidding. No, but the truth is, is that there are couples and I've talked to them even in our church that, I mean, they're still having an active sex life in their 80, 80s, literally. I don't know about 90s, but if I get to 90s, then I'll know. Okay, so I do believe God wants to bless you. Let's pray. Thanks for letting me share with you. And uh, please pray for your pastor. Clearly, I'm only half saved. And so as we take a moment to pray, actually, you know what? We've been laughing a lot. And here's the truth. We should laugh at this. It should be fun. There should be laughter in your home in this area. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe prayer today. Say, God, we've been stressed about this and uptight and maybe even resentful. Lord, help us to have fun to rediscover each other, 
to enjoy this time together. Lord, what a gift you've given me and my spouse. What a gift you've given me and this husband and this wife. That's my queen. That's my king. I want to honor them. I want to be fulfilled. It's okay to want that. Maybe your prayer today is to say, God, I'm going to approach this differently and not be about myself, but be about them. Or maybe your prayer today is you're single. You say, God, I aspire to have the kind of marriage that we can fulfill one another and honor you all of our lives. That's you today. Lift your hand. Just say, God, I want, I want you to bless our marriage. If you're single, say, I want you to bless my future marriage. That's great. There's hands going up. Praise God. All across our churches, praise God. You say, God, I just want to honor you in this area. If Jesus is involved in every other area of my life, why can't he bless my marriage in every area? He wants to. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. You can receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Even on a day like this or the sermon like this, I believe there are people that don't know Jesus. You can receive him right now. Pray this prayer with me. You can receive him. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed it, would you just lift your hand high? No one's looking around. Just hold your hand high if you just gave your life to Jesus. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our churches right now. Thank you. We see your hands over there at Stone Oak. Praise God. Thank you, Rodfield. Thank you, Padre Island. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Right now, if you're online with us, you can let us know that you gave your life to Christ by just texting in the chat, my hands raised, or click hand raised right now. Father, thank you for those who just gave their life to Christ. And Lord, thank you that for those of us who already know you, Lord, that Lord, this, your word is so practical, God. Thank you that you care about every area of our life. You are concerned about all of our concerns. Thank you for your truth today. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.